Kay Cunningham sets a career high in points with 43 points scored in this game against the Atlanta Hawks. He did everything he could, and despite that, the Detroit Pistons have lost 24 straight games after losing to Trey Young and the Hawks. Don't know what else Cade can do, man. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. It's another great way to support the podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Create an account and use code locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase. In this game, Kay Cunningham, man, went absolutely berserk. He scored 43 points in this game, career high. He shot 66% from the floor in route to 43 points. It wasn't like he had to take 35 shots to get 43. It wasn't like he had to get the 40 shots to get 43. 16 of 24, 66% from the floor, 3 of 5 from deep, 8 of 9 from the free throw line, 7 assists, 3 steals, 1 block, just 3 turnovers. And the Detroit Pistons still lost this game. And later on, we'll talk about why the Pistons lost this game. And we'll talk about getting Cade some help. And, you know, we'll talk about all that later. But I, I just want to talk about Cade's game he had and just break it down a little bit. This, this right here is – this game is the exact – is exactly why when – I had people reaching out to me. I had people tweeting at me. I had people messaging me. I had people in the comments saying, you know, if Cade really was that guy, he'd go score 40 points and this streak would have been snapped a long time ago. And I'd come on here and I'd say, Cade could come out here and drop 35. He could come out here and drop 40. That's not changing the Pistons' fortunes. The Pistons are not losing games because Cade isn't saving them enough. The fact that you need, you're asking someone to be Superman, to stop a team from being the worst team in the NBA history that should say enough itself. And it started a little bit, honestly, a few weeks ago, or like maybe last week when Boyan came back and everyone was like, oh, Boyan coming back is going to change everything. And then Boyan had a 33-point night the other night. We came on the podcast and said, well, Boyan had 33 points, still wasn't enough to win the game. Same thing here with Kay Cunningham. Kay Cunningham had 43 points in this game, played damn near a perfect game, probably the most, easily his best two-way performance of the year, was active defensively, was giving effort on that end was consistent throughout the entire night, barely missed at all in the second half. And despite that, the Detroit Pistons lost by six points to the Atlanta Hawks. And I know they only lost by six. So the score makes it look closer than what it really was. But friend of the podcast, we reference him as a historian of of history itself, Keith Black Trudeau. He tweeted this out right before I came uh, came to come record the podcast. And... I'm happy I saw this. He says, quote, 24 is in the books. The Pistons trailed for the finals 47 minutes and 28 seconds. They never had a lead. They never even pulled even after 0-0. They never got closer than five points in the second half. This game was in no way competitive. They never even had a chance. Now, do I think they never had a chance? No. I think they had a chance. There was a stretch in the fourth quarter. I thought doomed them. They got the lead down to six. And on back-to-back fast-break opportunities, 
Marvin Bagley missed a wide open dunk. And then Jane Ivey threw a bad pass to what should have been a wide open dunk from Marvin Bagley again on back-to-back fast break attempts to cut it to four points. Uh, I think that's that stretch right there just absolutely doomed them. But I think what Keith said here is 100% correct outside of that. This game was not as close as the score seemed. It, the Hawks were in control of this game for the majority of this game. Every time the Pistons had a run, they extended it back to 13. Every time they had a run, they extended it back to 12. The Hawks were in control the entire game, and that was despite Kate having 43 in this game and playing the best game of his career and outplaying and being the best player on the floor tonight. He did everything he possibly could, and it still was not enough for the Detroit Pistons to win this game. You saw Cade with the pull-up three-point shooting. You saw catch-and-shoot three-point shooting. You saw him get to the basket and finish with authority on multiple times. This game, he dunked all over Trey Young for an and-one dunk. I saw him get a lot more physical on his way to the basket. He seemed a lot more assertive, a lot more aggressive. I like the fact that he was trying to dunk at the rim. I feel like a lot of times with his wingspan – I. And his athleticism, he can dunk a lot of the attempts at the rim, and he just chooses not to. If he would just try to dunk a lot more of these, not only do I think he would finish a lot more, he would also draw a lot more free throws if he just went for a dunk a lot more often. But you saw that in this game tonight, he was getting to the rim. They double teamed him a ton in this second half of this game. And despite that, he was incredibly efficient in the second half. I thought he handled the traps very well. He was even splitting the traps every now and then. That One of the splits led to the post-up dunk on Trey Young. Defensively, he was active in the help help defense on the weak side, had a weak side block on Capella, I believe it was, that was really tremendous, was active in the passing lanes. Uh, I I don't know what else Cade could have done in this game to win the Pistons the game. And this is a number one overall pick kind of game. This is a superstar, this is a future superstar type of game that Cade just played in front of the Detroit Pistons fan base, in front of What's the Atlanta Hawks stadium? I don't know. State Farm Arena. In front of State Farm Arena and their fans. Cade put on an absolute show in this game. And it's a shame. It's an absolute shame that it wasn't enough to win against the Atlanta Hawks. We'll talk about coming back, why they lost. But in this game, you saw Cade operate again with floor spacing. Asar Thompson started, but he only played 18 minutes because of his lack of spacing and because he wasn't really getting anything going offensively. So a large part of the game tonight, you saw Cade playing with Jane Ivey, Boyan Bogdanovich, one of Marvin Bagley or James Wiseman, and the fourth person would just be either Alec Burks, it would be Joe Harris, or it would be Marcus Sasser. And you saw him playing with space, and it was impossible for teams to just crash down on his drives. It was impossible for teams to just play hard at the nail on his drives, and that's why you were able to see him get to his spots consistently throughout the night it's not a hard recipe it is not hard give cage space and he will cook we have seen it every time he gets spacing he cooks out there we saw it his rookie season we saw it at times in the second season heck we've seen it at times this year it is not a hard recipe put spacing around Cade cunningham and he will cook He will not score 43 every night. He's not going to go out there and shoot 66% from the floor and route to 40-plus every night. But he's going to be pretty damn good on a nightly basis if you just give him spacing on the basketball floor. You can't have multiple guys on the floor that just aren't an offensive threat at all. It's not going to happen. And in tonight's game, you saw what he looked like with spacing. You saw what he looked like um, playing aggressive downhill, getting to the basket with him really locked in. I thought that game against the Philadelphia 76ers was really a low point for Cade and the Pistons. Cade checked out 
I thought he looked completely mentally drained and drained and defeated first time all year. And that's when I came on the podcast and said, yeah, that if that isn't what changes the season or it forces change, I don't know what will. And since that game, it's only been two games, but since that game, I think you've seen Cade look back and realize I can't have that happen. I have to be on locks in. I can't put that out there on, on tape. And he's been completely locked in the last two games. He's been given everything he possibly can in this game and the last game against the Bucks. I thought he's looked really, really good, and this is what the Pistons need from him. I don't know if it's going to translate to wins because the team just isn't good enough around him. I don't know if he'll translate to wins at any point until a trade is made. But at the very least, continue to give him spacing, continue to allow him to cook like he has, continue to see Cade locked in on both ends of the floor. By the way, he played 44 minutes in this game tonight and didn't get gassed at any point. Maybe it shows that maybe he's coming around, getting back to game speed. Finally, you know, about a quarter away through the season, he's finally getting his conditioning where he'd like it to be. He's feeling a little bit more full strength. Give him the spacing. Let him cook. And at the very least, if the Pistons continue losing, at least you'll see that Kay Cunningham is that dude. At least Pistons fans will be able to watch games and be like, Cade is that guy. He just needs help. And watching this game tonight, not only do you come away thinking Cade's the guy, you think that dude is him. You think he's absolutely him. And he just needs help. Just needs help. Hopefully it's coming soon via trades. We'll see what happens. But when we come back, I'm going to talk about why the Pistons lost this game. Uh, I want to hear from you guys in the comment section down below or over on Twitter how you guys felt about Cade's game today. Uh, Again, like I said, let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter. Um, But before we get into why I believe the Pistons lost this game, I have to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Lockdown Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. And for the last few weeks, Josh has had some Pistons in his picks a few weeks ago, it was Jay Ivey back-to-back weeks. Then we had Asar Thompson last week. And now this week, we get another Detroit Piston. And this one is James Wiseman. And I know James Wiseman has you know, been criticized heavily since joining the Pistons. And he hasn't had the best, you know, hasn't performed the best so far into his career and so far into his Pistons tenure. But recently, he has been playing better. He does look like he's starting to catch along and develop with the Detroit Pistons, starting to do the things that they need him to do and not necessarily what he likes to do. He's now doing what the team is asking of him, and he's looking much better doing it, and that's why Josh has him on this list. He also mentioned that Isaiah Stewart is hurt. Wiseman's produced the last two games. Confidence in him is low, but the numbers and opportunity appear to be there. He's definitely going to continue to get the opportunity. He played quite a few minutes tonight, 24 minutes in this game, 25 minutes really, over Marvin Bagley, and I think if he continues to play like how he has the last few games, especially tonight when he has 10 rebounds, 7 rebounds on 5 of 5 shooting, I think you'll start to see him play even more moving forward, and that's something everyone should love to see. A guy as young as James Wiseman, who's had as bad of a start to his career as James Wiseman, start to look like he's maybe putting stuff together to be at least a role player for a team, at least a role player for the Detroit Pistons. Doesn't mean he's going to be a starter or anything, but at the very least, he can be someone who comes into the game and you can keep the the ship afloat. And he's done that the last few games. Josh Lloyd from Blackdown Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship 
And eBay Motors knows a championship team. It's about each player being a perfect fit. And it's the same thing with your vehicle. And you guys know, over the last few years when I was a delivery driver, my car would always break down on me constantly. It was really annoying. I'd have to try to find the right parts wherever I could. And it was constantly a problem until I found eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or you'll get your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's what eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply with eBay Motors. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. So despite Cade going off and having the best game probably of his career, the Pistons lose by six points. And like I mentioned in the first, first segment, yes, they lost by six, but really – I think the score is doing them a little justice. They never really had control of this game at any point. The Hawks were in control. And outside of that brief stretch in the fourth quarter, when they could have cut it down to four on those plays I mentioned, I don't think the Hawks ever really felt threatened at any point in this game. And why is that? Well, I mean, we're just going to have to keep coming back to this. And it's tough, man. They don't have any wings. They just don't. They don't have any impact wings right now. Let me not say any, but they, they probably have the worst wing room in the NBA. I think I can say that. In this game, they were forced to play 12 minutes of Joe Harris. Joe Harris is cooked. Okay, listen. Hey, Joe Harris, if you listen to the podcast, listen. I love the fact that you said media day, you're not a vet that's going to complain uh, about not playing. I completely love that. I love the fact that you're a good vet. I love the fact that you're willing to be here just to help the guys out. You know, all that stuff. Be a good, a good veteran from the bench. But on the court, listen, man, he's just cooked. He doesn't have it in him. He didn't have it in him last year. Brooklyn Nets fans and Brooklyn Nets writers told me all summer that he's just not, he's cooked. I know a lot of Pistons fans thought that maybe he he wasn't cooked. He'd have what he had a few years ago. No, it's it, he's it's over for Joe Harris. Joe Harris is cooked. And the fact that he's cooked and the Pistons are in the positions to have to play Joe Harris 12 minutes to tell you all you need to know. Um, they're having to play Marcus Sasser at the three. Alec Burks at the three. Um, Isaiah Livers probably I think Isaiah Livers and Alec Burks are competing for the most disappointing Detroit Piston this season uh, by far I, I don't think it's even close Isaiah Livers was so unplayable in his four minutes of action he only played four minutes in, in the first first half when he played those four minutes he took three back-to-back-to-back terrible shots and he's not, he just hasn't been the same defensively either. He's been probably the biggest disappointment on the Detroit Pistons because he was supposed to be that wing that shot the basketball and also was able to play some kind of defense. And right now, he's not shooting the basketball. Right now, he's not playing defense. And one of the things I loved about him the last two years was he was a guy that came in, shot the, shot the three, catch and shoot, and if it wasn't there, he kept the ball moving, cut to the basket, and didn't try to do anything with the ball in his hands. Now, all of a sudden, this year, you're starting to see him try to take some pull-up middies. You're starting to see him try attack stuff. And that's not what the Pistons need. The Pistons need literally just need someone who is going to catch a shooting three, make the right pass, keep the ball moving, cut to the basket, move around, 
and then play defense. That's all they need out of their wings. And Isaiah Livers was the only one that had done that at any kind of level. I wasn't even saying he did it at a great level, but he did it at somewhat of a level over the last few years to where a lot of fans were high on him coming into this year. And so far this year, he just has been like, look, I like Livers, but there's no way other way to say it. He's been terrible this year. He's been just flat out terrible for the Pistons this year. And it's that's really hurting them. Um, Alec Burks is another person who's absolutely killing them. I want you guys to hear this. Because I didn't know this, honestly, before, the, before today. I, he kind of was like slipping underneath the radar to me. I just wasn't even noticing it. Alec Burks is shooting 34% from the field. 34%. In this game, he shot 2 of 11 from the floor. Before the year, if I told you, and I'm not like I don't think I don't see how anyone could disagree with this. If if I told you before the year that Killian Hayes was going to be a more impactful basketball player this season for the Detroit Pistons than Alec Burks, you guys would have launched me to the moon. But it's been so incredibly true this year, and it not even I think Killian Hayes has been better this year. He's shooting 43 percent from the field, but it says way more, way more about how bad Alec Burks has been this year. I cannot believe how bad he's been this year. from the floor. And if you guys remember, going all the way back to last year, this is one of those situations. This is one of those situations I told you guys about last year. This is why when you are a team like the Pistons who are rebuilding and tanking like they were last year, you move off of those vets and get as many assets as you can moving forward and then go get veterans with your money in free agency. That's why you do this. Because one, you see all these other teams, you see all these players that are becoming available that we're hearing in the trade rumors now that December 15th has passed away. You see that? The Pistons don't have assets for any of it. You hear all these other young teams interested in doing these moves. The Pistons have no assets. And they could have got assets by moving on from vets that were considered playable and impactful for teams last season. And they decided not to do it. And now they have no assets and they can't go make moves. That's the first reason. And two, the bigger reason probably is when they're older players like that, you need to capitalize on their value because it's very likely that the next season they don't play the exact same. Each season they get older, the the higher the chance of them not being the same the next year. Now, Boyan, it looks like Boyan's still going to resemble the player we saw at least for the most part last year. He's played pretty well. Burks, falling off the face of the earth. And now the Pistons, I highly doubt the Pistons could move him for anything now. Last year, they could have moved him for stuff. They could have moved him for some assets. Maybe a few second-round picks to help throw him to a trade. Heck, maybe they could have attached him to something last year. Maybe got first-round pick. Who knows? But now, you are lucky to get anything for Alec Burks. The dude is shooting 34% from the field this year. And this is just another one of those ones I'm going to write down and check off in the asset management bucket for Troy Weaver in this front office. You guys, if you guys have been listening to the podcast for such a long time, you guys will know the asset management is one of the biggest things I've criticized this front office of. They've consistently taken small losses on every single deal to where, like, if you're just looking at that individual deal, you'll say, oh, well, it's not that big of a deal. But as they stack up, and now you're sitting at December 18th, 2023, and now you have to make a move, and now you don't have any first-round picks to move because you gave it away in the Isaiah Stewart trade. Now that you've done gave away all your second round, you gave a lot of your second-round picks away, now that you've decreased all of your veterans' value, and you didn't move them for any assets. Now all these other teams can outbid you. Now you're screwed. Now you don't have any flexibility in the trade market. It's one of those – this is just another example to me, at the very least, to me, of Troy Weaver failing at asset management for the Detroit Pistons. If you want to throw Arntelum, Ed Stefanski in it too, go ahead. If you want to throw the, just throw the whole front office in it. 
the asset management going all the way back to the Bruce Brown trade in 2020 has been poor, has been very poor. I think it's catching up to the Pistons finally after three years. Like I told you guys for a while, it would. Um, and yeah, I, I know that we're mad about, you know, people are mad about Alec Burke's play and obviously so, but I'm more mad about that because they had an opportunity to move him for something last year in a season that was lost. And now they decided not to. And not only are they not going to get value from him in a trade, now they're not even getting value from him on the floor. And it's just like, you should have moved him last year, man. You just should have. Um, I know I kind of went off on a tangent. I was supposed to talk about why the Pistons lost this game, but I just, I, I don't get it, man. I don't get why this team refuses to capitalize on value. I don't understand why this team doesn't. I mean, this is now like multiple times. I know they ended up trading Jeremy for Jeremy Grant for the rights to like Jalen Duran um, or the first round pick that got them and freed up the space to absorb um, all those contracts from the Knicks. I know they were able to do that because of Jeremy's trade. It was basically a late first round pick, but you guys know a long way it was able to create cap space for them to do that, whatever. Um, even that in and of itself wasn't great value, I don't think. Earlier in Jeremy's career with the Pistons, he, they were offered multiple first-round picks for him. Imagine if the Pistons had two or three first-round picks right now when they're trying to make moves. I mean, it just goes back to 2020. For year after year after year, they don't capitalize on value. They don't capitalize on asset management. And now when they want to make moves, they don't. They can't. Uh, it's, so, it's so incredibly frustrating. Being a front office and putting together a good team is – you have to nail asset management and be able to have that. I, oh my God. I don't want to keep going. Either way, the Pistons lost this game because their wings are terrible. That, I mean, that, there you go. They lost the game because their wings are terrible. They don't have any defensive bigs. Even with James Wiseman, I thought played a fine game. I thought Marvin Bagley was overall okay too. Neither one of them are defenders. They don't have any defensive big now, especially when Stu's out too. He's supposed to be your small ball five, but just overall fives, you don't have any defenders now with Duran out. They need to get a defensive five. Their wings are terrible, and they need to make open shots. They don't have anybody that's making open shots. Cade and Boyan Bogdanovich combined for eight of their nine threes. No one else hit more than one. The only other person who hit one was Marcus Sasser. No one else. Like that, just they need someone who could, someone else that can catch and hit shots. They need a defensive big man desperately, and they just need to revamp their entire wing room. They just have to. They just need to revamp their entire wing room. Those are all the reasons why the Pistons lost to the Hawks, and it's going to be it's going to continue to be the reason why they lose to every team they lose to moving forward. So it is what it is. Um, let me know what you guys think. Comment section down below, man, about why you think the Pistons lost, and what do you guys think about what I mentioned about with the asset management? Let me know that in the comment section down below as well. Um, when we come back, we'll talk about going to gain Kate help and who's available on the market potentially. What we're hearing, some of the things that have been written uh, recently about the pisses in the trade market. We'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Game Time. If I'm ever looking for tickets at all to any kind of event, to a sport event, to a theater event, to a music event, to a comedy event, if I'm looking for tickets to anything, I go straight to Game Time for multiple reasons. One, I'm a procrastinator. I always wait to the last second to do anything, constantly. Always wait to the last second. And with Game Time, that doesn't penalize me. With other places, I get penalized for doing that. I end up with trash trash seats. I end up with, you know, expensive seats that aren't really that good, like I said. But with game time, not only do you get last-minute killer deals all the way up to the last minute, you also get killer deals and killer tickets even after the event starts. And another great thing with game time that I absolutely love 
is you get to see the view of your seat before you purchase them. So you don't have to show up and be like, oh, God, I got some bad seats. This wasn't what I thought it was. You can see straight from game time before you purchase, hey, are these some seats that I would really love? You can do that right on game time. I think it's the best service you can go to to purchase tickets easily on the market. Another great thing game time does for you. You don't have to go through searching through your email, the thousands of emails that I know no one's checking to try to find your tickets. With game time, you just go to the app, two taps, it's set, it's right there in front of you. Game time, I'm telling you, it makes everything so easy and it saves people like me who wait to the last second to buy their tickets. I absolutely love game time and I know that you will too. Download the game time app, create an account, use code locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply and again, Create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-M-B-A for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed with Game Time. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. There's another great way to support the podcast. So this is going to be a quick segment. I couldn't keep you guys here too long. But James Edwards III uh, had recently written an article going over some fake trades sent to him by Pistons fans. And at the end of the article, he dropped a little tidbit that there's a few teams that are, that is, that are interested in Isaiah Stewart and interested in trading, him, trading for him, obviously. And... I know that Isaiah Stewart is a fan favorite in this fan base. But if the Pistons can trade Isaiah Stewart and get a good wing and get a good three and th- three or four instead of a backup worthy three or four, like actually attach them to something that can get them a good starting three or four, you 100% do it. You 100% move him and get that starting caliber three or four because this team desperately needs that. They just desperately do. They need good players. They're not in year one year two, year three, they're in year four losing 24 straight games. They need to add actual good players or actual quality players that can start and do the things they need. So if they can move Isaiah Stewart for one of those things, you do it. I'm not sitting here saying that you move Isaiah Stewart just for nothing. If you can't find a good deal for him, a good deal, then obviously you keep him. He's not like he has to go. You have to get rid of him. No, it's just if you can get a good deal for a, a wing, that will help this team that can catch and shoot threes at a high percentage that has some size, you absolutely do it. And that goes for just about every other player on the team as well. And if just about every other team player on the team, if they can get you that you go out there and do it. Um, I think one of the names everyone should watch for um, is a name that we've already heard about is Tobias Harris. Um, I've heard multiple times through one of my uh, friends on in Pistons Twitter, um, tells me all the time that Tobias Harris has family that still lives here in Detroit. And that he spends time out here in Detroit. Um, well, I hear in Michigan. I don't know if it's in Detroit, probably out in like Birmingham or something, some, one of the rich areas, but either way has family that still lives out here, still comes out here during the summer and hangs out. Um, so I think that potentially could make, you know, make it a good spot for Tobias somewhere. He actually would like to go. And maybe he would even like to resign here because he isn't expiring. So maybe it's something that could work out long-term for the Pistons. For the next few years, I think they maybe would like that. I think he's more gettable, um, potentially than like the other options on the market, like an OG Ananobi. Yeah, that's going to cost you an arm and the leg, and you're going to overpay for someone I don't necessarily think has a higher ceiling than he really has right now. Um, so I wouldn't really want to overpay for him. 
Um, but as you're seeing, I, I think names, I think there's a lot of names who are available that you're just not even hearing about. And even so, over the last few days, each day you're hearing more and more names become available. That's just what happens. I told you guys, once December 15th pops up and goes away, you're going to start hearing all these names come available. So I think there's a ton of teams and a ton of names that are available that none of us are even going to know about. None of us know anything really with the trade market because there's so, you know, not everything is going to get leaked in rumors. So I'm sure the Pistons are on the phone. They're talking with multiple teams. There's all kinds of guys that they're, you know, they're interested in. There's all kinds of guys that could potentially get that we don't even know. But of the names that we've heard, I do think Tobias Harris probably is the most realistic option for this team. I think that he would be a good addition. I think he brings exactly what they need at the three or four position size, the ability to shoot. And he's become actually a fine defender in Philadelphia since he's left Detroit too. I'm much more of a, a way better shooter too. He kind of started to develop that three point shot in Detroit and he's really peaked now um, at this point of his career. So I think he really would be a good addition for the Detroit Pistons and they could just resign him after this year too. I think that is a, I think that potentially could be a good deal for the Pistons. Um, I think it's probably the most likely one uh, considering how, what his value might be. Um, but that's just my opinion. Um, let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill, what kind of names you guys are interested in and think the Pistons should go after. Again, let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. That's all I've got for you guys today. Thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. Free and available on all your podcast platforms. Hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel. Leave us a five-star review, whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. And until next time, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe. Till next time, peace out.